0: Hi, and welcome to the White Hill podcast series. Uh, My name is Roger. I'm one of the pastors here at White Hill, and we're glad that you've uh, chosen to listen to one of the podcast messages today. Our prayer is that you would be challenged and inspired to take the next steps in your journey with God as you listen to this message. Uh, If you want to keep in touch with more things that are happening at White Hill, head to our website at whitehill.church. And you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Enjoy this message now. So it's John chapter 10, and I'm reading from verse 11. This is Jesus talking. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep, And runs away. The wolf, then the wolf, then attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I laid down my life for the sheep. I have sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command i received from my father the jews who heard these words were again divided many of them said he is demon possessed and raving mad why listen to him but others said these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon can a demon open the eyes of the blind now we look forward to tim coming and sharing Tim is uh, visiting with us. Welcome, Tim. Great to have you on board, brother. And uh, Tim's going to share with us in a few moments' time. But before he does, let's give our attention to the screens once more. And uh, have a listen. I first started
1: to know about who Jesus was, I guess, when I was a little girl. I started, you know, mum and dad always, you know, said, oh, this is Jesus, like, you know, this is like, you know, faith and all that kind of stuff. But... It was very, very loosely taught, and I guess the same as well in high school and primary school as well. Went to a private um, Christian school, but was just very loosely taught about who the Lord was. Um, but I almost didn't feel like it was meant for me. That the you know this whole idea was just like something you know I thought you had to be born into it, to understand it, but it wasn't really until like a year ago, year and a half ago when I kind of thought in my life there is something missing, something not right. And you know, this weird, loose idea I had of the Lord was like, I would say like a jigsaw puzzle, but a jigsaw puzzle, you'd find it like a, a secondhand store or an op shop that is like broken maybe missing some pieces um, that you know was a bit rough around the edges and I had no idea where to even start so I don't know just I feel like if something about timing and if you know it's meant for you it's meant for you like I thought okay well if I you know if I start I try something I like something new then I might understand it and for me understanding something that I don't understand was a really hard thing to grasp because it's such a vast, vast concept. Um, So I, yeah, I just started thinking I need to know more, like this whole concept of you know the Lord but then there's also a Jesus and there's also like there's like three people that go into the one person and they're all talking about the one person. I thought, this is so confusing. But I think that's what made me want to know more. I really wanted to know like, okay, well, if other people are getting it, why don't I get it? Anyway, so I started to really think about it and just, you know, is, is this right? Like, I don't know if I should be doing this. None of my family do this. So I talked to my partner and I was like I think I want to start going to church and he was like oh okay a bit taken aback because we never really talked about it like yeah we went to a christian school and you know there was parts of his life where he did go to church when he was little but it was just like a a sort of concept it wasn't really a like a, a process So, I started really, really thinking about it and I decided to hop online. And the weird thing about it is that I went to Instagram before I went to Google to, you know, have a look because we were new to the area, have a look about who, like, the Lord was. And, like, I don't know, I just had lots of questions. So yeah I went to Instagram and I went to the explore page which is weird because it's I don't usually do that <laughs> and the first picture that popped up was a Christian picture and I was like wow this is weird like how does my phone know it's reading me and then I clicked on it just because just I did and it was a post from Whitehill and I was like Hmm. what is this? I had no idea and yeah I kind of just thought this is the weirdest timing ever I hadn't even shared it other than with Jayden to anyone
2: <laughs>
1: and I was like okay and so I just put it on our list because we were gonna go and have a look at a couple of different churches and yeah I popped it on our list and because it was the closest one to us Um, I put it first, and I was like, okay, this is, again, weird, but anyway, did it. We came to White Hill, and like, it was amazing. I think the timing of this whole thing was totally not in our hands. It wasn't our own timing. It was God's timing, you know, there was a reason why Everything we had done from like first learning about God to now attending church. I'm so blessed and so thankful for the church for being so open and welcoming, but more importantly, for the timing. Like, there was a reason why we did everything we did and we've learned everything we have in that order because without that I don't think we would be where we're meant to be that we listen to those timings and almost those callings like God put that Instagram post there for a reason God put and Diane moving to Ipswich for a reason because he knew that our timing was now you know I can't imagine my life now without coming to church every Sunday and knowing all the connections that we have and the friendships that we've made and that they are the most wonderful friendships and connections I have ever made. Hi, I'm Caitlin and I found life. You are not hidden. There's never been a moment you were forgotten. spare Stop marching to reach you In the middle of the hardest fight It's true, I will rescue you
2: That's really encouraging, we've never met before, some of us, my name's Tim, I'm from Campbelltown, thank you, Francois, how good is this guy, let's give him a big thank you. And his team, met him for the first time today, he's almost Aussie, he knows what a yak is now and it's not an animal, we're understanding, thank you for the stool, that's good for an old fella, watch the pulpit, what do you normally do on Sunday night here? What happens after? So Macca's runs, what's going on? Have dinner together? Have dinner together? What's on the menu for tonight? Food. Food. <laughs> I've got an 18-year-old son, I'm getting about as much out of you as I get out of him. <laughs> How are you today, mate? Good. What have you been up to? Not much. You ask too many questions. <laughs> That's before the third time I try and understand him. Um, look, really great to be with you. I'm uh, going to try and unpack that little passage that... Um, Roger read out about being the good shepherd. Let let me just help you try and understand me a bit. I'm born in Campbelltown, New South Wales. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I've got brethren up the back. Um, Campbelltown, when I grew up, was a a city of rotolactors and cattle farms. And John MacArthur, who came on the first or second, third, fourth fleet, was kind of put that region on the map through agriculture, and eventually over time, um, someone's great idea was to build an enormous housing commission corridor that was kind of at the end of the city rail line. And Campbelltown became known as a very not-to-go-to place. And so in my lifetime, the, the, the transformation of a regional hub to an urban housing commission space where 164 dialects were spoken in 2008 when we left there to come to Queensland, because there's only two dialects spoken in Queensland, Australian and Australian. Boom, boom. Come on, warm up here with me. Um, and it cut my teeth in ministry in that place. Uh, you'll find this funny, my, my first, well you should, it's a good joke, my first sermon as the senior pastor of Campbelltown Church of Christ, I've got the photo to prove it, was in a suit and tie, with shiny black shoes, because that was the culture of our church, but crazily enough, as a congregation, we met in the middle of the housing commission. So we'd all bus in from outside and meet in our buildings called the Ambivar Recreation Centre, the locals called it the Ark which I thought was pretty biblical and pretty cool. And it was a seven-day-a-week sports centre that we operated there, had a swimming pool, had squash courts, we had weight watchers. I obviously never attended. <laughs> I need a bit more than 500 calories a day, I can tell you. <laughs> and it was this, this, this really weird situation that... when I, became, they, they took, I was the youth guy, the student guy, the youth guy, the young adults guy... And then they promoted me to senior pastor, which was, even looking back now, it's just funny as. Because it was not in my to-do list of career choices, become a pastor. Because I come from Campbelltown. I'm blue collar. We know how to to use language in various ways in the place that I came from and be understood and not, not offend people. It was mostly bad language. And so they made me the senior pastor, they put a microphone in my hand, They wanted me to build God's kingdom with them, the people, and I turned up to my first sermon with my best and only suit. I probably wore that three weeks in a row until I had to invest in another one, a different coloured shirt, and I ended up with a tie, a different coloured tie. And I turned up on Sunday, we had a congregation that was met three times, um, 8.30, 10 o'clock and 6 o'clock with all the young people, fantastic bunch of folk and then I'd come to work Monday with my really sore head and my empty tank and my ministry team waiting for the vision of the next day and the next week and whatever else is going to happen. I I actually discovered in my neighbourhood that no-one wore a tie unless they were going to court or a funeral. True story. Um, I, I started to understand that people barely had a good set of shoes except there was a lot of Adidas shoes and I knew when people had been to prison because they wore long socks and Adidas shoes and they walked on their toes. (laughs) True story. What is that? I also started to understand that no one actually had a mortgage or an education. So when I talk housing commission, I'm talking uh, dwellings that are built in, in in a parallel manner and actually what happens is when the police come in to do a drug bust, they climb the kids, they climb through the manhole in this house and they scurry across the rest of them, go down the manhole in about the eighth dwelling and escape out the hatch at the other door. That, that's the architecture. So the idea is you get every dysfunctional person you can find and every domestic violent circumstance you can get your hands on, you put them all in the village together and let them dwell in peace. In our direct neighbourhood, um, unlike what we probably experience in the modern day, heroin was the thing. So it was $20. dollars uh, you go down to your local dealer, get your heroin shot lie on the ground for the rest of the week. Hopefully the salvos will come and find you or you'd end up in my office. So I actually had an office because I had a suit and tie, I was worthy of an office. And mostly what the people that frequented my office were people that smelt like they hadn't had a bath for a week and usually had had some involvement with domestic violence and heroin. So just get your head around this. Sunday was me out the front with a suit and tie. Monday was me in the office with someone who's probably come out of prison or needed a food pack or was escaping and fleeing domestic violence. That's Campbelltown. That was my first ministry. That was, gee whiz, Jesus, what are you do, doing to me? We, we kind of lean right into this as a, as a team, as a church. Um, I turned up to a Sunday um, uh, morning service with my billabong shorts on, my billabong shirt on, and no shoes. And I preached out of John 1. You know, Jesus came, uh, the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Full of grace and truth. Like the idea is that the creator of the universe, the guy who put amoebas together, entered a human body, was birthed through the normal manner, had a family, the oldest kid in the troupe, had to speak, God spoke a dialect. I'm still getting my head around that. He understood the culture, the smells of the village, God became flesh and became this driving idea for me that if it's good enough for the creator of the universe to look, smell and touch like the neighbourhood, then our church need to be the same. So I ditched the suit and the first week I did it, everyone thought that was pretty funny. Good illustration point. Can you put your shoes on next week, please? True story. Came back the next week, no shoes, different set of billabong. Because I had lots of billabong shorts, never had a suit before, never been a pastor. And again and again, we just replicated this idea that we, as the people of God, needed to shepherd and look like the village we served in. The village we decided to live in was the housing commission and on four corners of our property, which is a four and a half acre property, worth an absolute bomb now, um, given Sydney prices, had four schools in it. Two high schools, two junior schools and we tried to become the cultural centre through our presence of those Four schools. The principals loved us. We had kids uh, in our youth group who flooded out of those schools. We had no strategic plan, but we had a youth group of nearly 200 kids, 20-odd leaders, every Friday night. The Ark, as it was known, was full of kids who couldn't stay at home because it was too dangerous. So the strategic plan was open the door, turn the lights on, get the lollies out, and everyone, it was like, unbelievable. We ended up splitting that youth group into two, the elders kept trying to write risk management plans for me to put my shoes on and we got on with the art of ministry. Really, one of the things that, that, that came to a head and caused some conflict was um, the Sudanese um, uh, refugee situation broke out and literally families would walk from, from Kenya to the airport, get on a plane, uh, land in Sydney or Melbourne or, or Brisbane, they'd get a cab fare They turn up in our neighbourhood in Ambervale with a door to a front key, no furniture, no idea, different planet and their sleep the night. do you think about that, if we reverse the journey. If we took you tonight, made you walk thousands of kilometers with your family and your pregnant wife, true story in, in my mate Deng's case, and threw you into another language, And there's no way I'm going to Sudan tomorrow, mate. I've seen the rats in Sudan. They eat all the grain. I've seen the lions in the pictures. They're real. And we put you there and say, reverse order, you're all now refugees in Sudan, make it work. Well, that's pretty much their story. So when the state government rang our church and said, hey, you guys are Christians, right? Uh, Could you please assist? And the local school rang us and said, could you help? Now, these people didn't know what a shower was. They never had running water fall out of the roof before. (laughs) I know it's a foreign concept to you all. (laughs) Hot or cold, 24-7. Unbelievable, never packed a lunch for a kid going to school. Um, Our our missional endeavour kind of blew up around this because we had about four or five families. Our church community had given furniture and clothing and made lunches and been advocates in the school for the kids to you know, slow it down so they could at least learn English before we threw algebra at them and start to just kind of pastorally care and dot people together. One particular family had never seen running water, so I took them to the beach down in Ostermere. They all freaked out. It was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. They were jumping like joy. You know, joy, crazy joy, that stuff, just jumping these really black people, jumping, swearing actually. Because he was working on a building site, he thought, that's, that, that's what you do. <laughs> so said, no, no, settle down, brother. So, what ha- th- 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 this particular Sudanese group of families discovered that in Springwood, Victoria, that there was others who had come on the same flight as they, and they'd known them through family groups back home, and they literally took all their stuff, put it on the curb and left and didn't tell anyone. Oh, did that offend some people? I gave that cupboard to those people so rude what about all those toasters that we gave them and all that they just disappeared and it took me months to give an apologetic just to settle down the good folk of God to say you know trauma informs behavior and they had to escape to find people that could they could fall in the language with who were far more down the road in advancement of living in Australia and you ask yourself well what is ministry really all about what's it all about for you Like, how many people here are under 30? Ooh, a few. That's interesting. You've just blown the Australian church um, census. Good job. Do you like being under 30? Do you like wearing not five extra large shirts? (laughs) If you stay away from McDonald's, you won't look like me. But based on what Jesus said and what Roger read to us, I just want to make a couple of points about what the real game is. What the real job is of ministry. Why God has called you. A couple of really quick things. The real job of ministry is to be a shepherd and sacrifice for your neighbourhood. Sacrifice for God's people. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd makes himself available incarnationally. The good shepherd... Presents himself on a cross. The Good Shepherd finds life in giving it away. Um, the Good Shepherd is nobody of status. The Good Shepherd lives, dwells among the people that he calls to himself. Um, this, this game we're in is all about sacrifice, right? It's all about giving yourself away for no benefit to yourself. I know that's a strange idea. I've come to believe that ministry is best done at the kitchen table, that ministry is best done in the mess of people's lives, that ministry is more a set of questions than it is answers. That the things that my generation dealt with are not the things that your generation is dealing with. I was born in 1968, almost the same year as Methuselah the assumptions in the worldview have shifted radically away from the big questions that we had. The big deal in my generation was Midnight Oil's album cover. Who's Midnight Oil? Anyone know who Midnight Oil was? Yeah. Big boy. Yes! Are we fans? Yeah. US forces. You know the guy? Well, that album cover represented a generation of people who lived in fear that an atom bomb was actually going to go off in our neighbourhood and we'd all be sent to oblivion. That album cover represented our central question will the Cold War actually end? I'm not even going to try and pretend what you under 30s are wrestling with. I've got four kids, um, 28, 24, 21, 21's covered in tattoos. Girl, most beautiful red hair, best tattoo you've ever seen, go figure. And a son who's 18. The set of assumptions that they have about reality is not the set of assumptions I have but they understand this the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep and that's not a generational difference so God I actually believe in a context like this is calling a more radical nature to your ministry before you accumulate like my generation has And lay down your lives for a greater cause and a greater sense of being so that the neighbourhood like we discovered in Campbelltown could be served just where you are. That's what this is all about. If you're going to find life in Christ, you will find sacrifice and in sacrifice you will find life. There's an amazing liberation that comes when you can let it go and lean in and not hold tight and accumulate. You with me? Um... Jesus was all about that. There's this famous saying from an old English cricket captain, I don't want to do too many sports illustrations, but he said, some choose to live within earshot of church or chapel bell. I choose to build a mission station a mile from hell. That particular um, quote, became a driving force for what I tried to bring to our church and our community at Campbelltown. I wanted that, that thing the community called the Ark. A really, and a few of us really desired that that become known as a mission station. A seven-day-a-week functioning expression of God's grace and sacrifice for them. And, I, and, and, you know, if you fill me full of KFC and you sit me down... Mate, I can just tell story after story after story of crazy, just mad stuff of what kids were doing in our neighbourhood, of what adults were doing in our neighbourhood, about what Africans were doing in our neighbourhood, and they were coming to faith, and by the time we left Campbelltown, the ministry team had Celtic English names. By the time I left, it was Khan, Jimenez, and, and, and I can't pronounce the Chinese dude's name, but we started to reflect the neighbourhood we lived in. And that's because the Good Shepherd laid down his life for those sheep. And through our little church community, um, we understood and hearkened to that intimate voice. Um, point number two, you with me? It's hard to see you in the lights. I feel like I need to come and sit next to you. I've got this compulsion to look in your eyes. But I don't want to be at the dinner table. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank- hey, how are you? like I thought I was on my own. You know, my greatest fear is coming to church, putting a mic in my hand and no one's there. It's a repetitive dream. It's horrible. Wake up sweating, kick the cat out, stop that. The real job of ministry is to create space. The real job of ministry, your job, not my job, paid dude, so what? Your job, your job. According to the great shepherd is to create space for people to find intimacy with God. Jesus said, my sheep, hear my voice. Just think about that, man, girl. Sorry, wrong context. You know what I mean, man, plural, like anthropos. See how old I am? Get in trouble for that. It's like when I say guys, I mean both genders, it's all good. You have an opportunity as a human being on this earth... To hear God's voice for yourself. To have that conviction that God's spirit is at work in you, leading you, nudging you, being gentle with you and moving in a direction of his leading. The creator of the universe, the one who put those oceans in place and all those wonderful nations, all the colour schemes of the earth is completely interested in you. And he wants to talk to you. And he wants you to hear him and respond. Jesus said, my sheep, my people, hear my voice. Um, They will have life to the full, which isn't the absence of obstacles. It's life to the full. Big difference, same thing. Life to the full, a sense of purpose. When we sacrifice, it's got to be purposeful, right? It's It's never for nothing. And life to the full is that sense that God is in the space. God is in the room. That the shepherd is among his people. And they know him in intimacy. They're not there to steal like the Pharisees. This particular scripture comes as an argument. There's, there's like this four or five chapters of Jesus wrangling um, the Pharisees. Now, I don't want to be down the Pharisees. It's easy to pick on them. They don't exist anymore. They set this really high bar for themselves. They kept the high bar and they killed people because they expected everyone else to do it. And Jesus was always in a debate with them. And basically in these four chapters, Jesus says to the Pharisees, "I'm not. don't go to your elders and do this tomorrow, please. It's not a good career move if you're in ministry. He said to them, you guys are the children of the devil. <laughs> to quote, I haven't used that one recently. And I am the good shepherd, right? Complete contrast. I'm here for the purposes of creating a space for the intimacy we have with people that they might be born again and find life. You guys are here to get them all on the bus, squeeze the life out of them, set about your own vision and if, if, if they're of no use to you, just drive over their heads and move on to the next crew. Bit harsh? Thank you, bit harsh, but true. The real job actually for us as the people of God is to create that Abba, Father, space when jesus taught us to pray he said our abba that's a very intimate term for a child to use to their parent an authoritative term but an intimate term and it's amazing that the disciples go hey teach us how to pray says our abba come before god as a child and make your requests the Apostle Paul said, You know, we cry out. It's this khorasan is the, is the, for you Greek people in the room, sorry, from Campbelltown, that's how I say it. It's literally from here. We cry, Abba, Father. There's this connectivity, like when we're kids and the house is empty and you're looking for mum or dad and you cry out as that, that sense of urgency and, and immediacy. And it's always good to hear that voice, I'm here. <laughs> Uh, I, I did that for my kids. I, in fact, I bought a king bed because I got sick of them not sleeping. I've still got the king bed. And now it's held together with all sorts of hockey straps. And where I sleep, there's this dint like that. I know you find that hard to imagine. And you kind of roll in and roll out. And it's, it, it's great exercise. But Jesus said that, that we, as the people of God, are here to create spaces where people can experience God. When did you last go away and just savour those moments when you felt like, thought like, existentially that the creator of the universe was present just for you? Where it was safe? We kind of went, you know that wholeness feeling that evades us a lot? And there's that moment of, oh, can we just stay here a bit? That's the intimacy that Jesus promises, not the religiosity of jumping through hoops and getting exhausted, but carrying that light yoke where he's beside us and we have those moments. We just exhale. I want to encourage you to go and find that space, whatever that is for you. For me, it's walking dogs on Coolum Beach. Just everything disappears. I am nobody. And there's this Seascape, I have limited or no control over. The the control only is not to go in today, because usually the lifeguards try and rescue me, because they think that one of the whales from migration is moving past. Why are you laughing? It's <laughs> true story. Throw the water on him. I don't know about you, but I want him to miss it. I'm I'm a, I'm a six foot four male, and I was raised in a really hard town. And deep within me is a real need. Like just saying it, an intimacy with God is required. I want to know he's near. I want to know he hears my voice. And I think that's where life is, right? Try and find that space together, whatever that looks like in community and whatever that looks like for you. The real job of, of ministry Just to finish off, how long do you preach here at night? Two hours. hours. Gross. I haven't done one of them for like three weeks. (laughs) The real job of ministry of shepherding isn't to create fame, fortune, brand. Jesus said that no greater love has anyone than they lay down their life for their friends. No greater love has anyone than they lay down their life for their friends. Paul Jesus said that's what the Good Shepherd does, and that's why God is so impressed. Paul said, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, powerless, and useless, Christ died for us. He took initiative. He didn't wait for us to reform. He didn't say, you do that and I'll do this. He got right on the front foot and gave an active demonstration in real time, hanging naked on a bit of Roman infrastructure to stretch wide his heart and say, this is what love looks like. It's the craziest story. It still captivates me all these years later. Let me... Put it in human terms. Um, I've been fortunate enough, and it's a, pretty, it's a sad story, but I'm fortunate enough, my grandparents were participants in World War II. And so that global conflict spilled out all over the Pacific in various ways, as well as Europe and the Middle East and other places. Terrible. My grandfather was 16 when he signed up and lied to be in the Australian military. Big guy like me, pop, big fella, big booming voice. He's, I love my pop but he was formidable. remember one day I hit the crick, I hit a crack and shot straight through the covers and into the window at the back of the house and he came out booming. I went and hid straight up, because back our house was elevated because it was fibro <laughs> and I went hid underneath. He waited two hours for me, <laughs> still got me, but I loved him. At 16, uh, they sat him in the back of a plane spraying bullets at the enemy across New Guinea. And when he returned, he wasn't the same man. He married my Nan, who I adored as a kid. My Nan was my hero. Um, She was the most gracious, passionate, caring human ever. She's always rubbing my face, cuddling me, I remember as a kid. Couldn't wait to be near her. just the safest human on the planet. And many, 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 many years later, my mum's a single child. My grandfather, um, I would have been probably 16, I was in year 11. He came home from Japan on a business trip, he was in the automotive um, car industry, and he bought back his two new kids and his new wife from Japan. No no newsletter, hey, just heads up, family, this is going to happen. Just kind of rocked up, and here we are, awkward introductions. Um, Basically, asked my grandmother to leave the house. My dad then, we sold our house, moved in with Nan. And uh, my mum and dad moved into a caravan out the back, Uh, and I don't mean the ones you see on the road going west every year, one of those little bubble ones. No air con, 40 degree heat in Campbelltown, scalded cats all summer. And Pop stayed with us for a while, then my dad bought him a house, and my grandmother ended up getting Alzheimer's disease and seven years later she passed away. Why do I tell you that? Well, as far as love is concerned, giving yourself away for free at no betterment of yourself, of intimacy with others, without, with great cost, um, a demonstration of what it means to be the kingdom, uh, my nan didn't speak one ill word of my grandfather for the rest of her life. And in fact, when we all were feeling, she would be the one who'd mediate peace. She didn't try and bring with her on her journey one single material item out of that marriage. She never complained one day that another lady with her children was living in her home. Not once. Not once. I saw many tears, but as a, as a 16, 7 year old kid, I saw no retribution and I saw a demonstration of what a good shepherd laying down their life for sheep looks like. And I'll be eternally grateful for that silence that she brought to that space and the burden she picked up for the whole family. Um, and, and we as a family only began to reconcile that um, as we understood where Pop went and what he suffered. And, and in some sort of weird, redemptive way tried to fix the wrongs of the past. That's another sermon we could get the two hours up with that one I just want to remind you out of that particular scripture that you guys are actually called to be shepherds you've all got different sorts of gifts different sorts of passions different sorts of abilities and skills but God calls his church not just to look after itself but to lean in and look after its community right And so shepherding people into the family of God and coming as they are with all their bumps and bruises and pains requires great patience and love so that they can be formed and understand the model of kingdom that Jesus is giving us through this passage. To find life, according to him, you have to lose it. But in losing it, we actually find it. Okay, let's land with a prayer, eh? The real job is love. That's the job. And it takes maturity and patience to develop that skill so you can give yourself to another without wanting or getting something back. I can I can hear your thoughts. Can this guy go home now back to Sunshine Coast? Get out of my face. If you if you if you're brave, I just ask that you'd stand with me. I'll stand too. I was really I was cool sitting down tonight, I really appreciate that. Takes me back to Campbelltown with our night service where they said to me you're too old now, you're irrelevant. And can the young guys preach now? But let's um let let's just stand, is that all right? I just want a bit of a commissioning, something like that. I'm in, I'm in the tape, so I'm cool. Hello, home people. Um, just really, more than give you the challenge, just call you out to be a community of love. And I don't mean airy-fairy, you know, feeling love, which is important. But a love that's consistent and sacrificial. Not, not martyrdom, not self-deprecation, but giving life that you possess freely to people you meet and tomorrow morning or this afternoon when you leave and go to Maccas or KFC or whatever it is you're going to consume that's not recommended by the Heart Foundation if you can just start that journey of what can I do to respond to what Jesus said and start the art of love and the practice of love tonight tomorrow And the next day, and model the Good Shepherd to people all around you. Does that make sense? Great. Well, let me pray. Let me ask you to do something even more awkward. Put your hand on someone's shoulder. Just nicely, don't bash them. I'm a Collingwood supporter, so we don't know how to do that well. We're we're a family, right? We're we're here together. Um, The funny part of this is, we're all going to spend eternity together. And you're going to be spending eternity with people you didn't like in this life. How cruel is that? (laughs) I'm I'm working, trying to get laugh here. Even in the prayer time. So let me pray for you that the Spirit of God works through you for the better of the community around you and the depth of bond that you share with each other. Father, we read the Scripture, we try and understand it. Help us to hear your voice. That each individual person here would know the intimate voice of the Spirit in their lives and know it's you because it's love, because it's uplifting, because your voice is affirming, because your voice brings a gentle discipline born out of patience, because your love bears fruit of joy, I pray, Lord, that every single person here in the week ahead would grow in their listening skills with you. I ask, Father, that this church, this community would be bonded in your self-giving, in your love. In a depth that would never let disunity come, that the wolf would never get near the door And that lifelong relationships would prosper here, Father, to the glory of Jesus. I want to thank you, Father, for each precious person in this room, their families, their connections, their hurts, their joys, everything that makes them who they are. And I pray, Father, they'd lay that down and find life on a daily basis. Lord Jesus, in a world of turmoil, give us peace. Help us to stand still in your presence and walk forward in your encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening today. If you live locally here in the Ipswich region, we would love to invite you to come and join us in person uh, here at one of our Sunday gatherings at Whitehill. For more information on our services or our ministries, head on over to our website at whitehill.church. If you're interested also in taking next steps in your relationship with Jesus, please also at our website, hit the connect button and let us know where you're at. We would love to catch up with you either over a coffee or on a phone call to chat with you about where you're at. We hope you've enjoyed watching this message. And we pray that God would continue to bless you as you seek to seek Him in your daily life. God bless.